Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of the Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. My name is Frank Fleck, and I will be your host for this episode. So we had our monthly training day yesterday, and each month we all come together as a partnership we sit down and we spend eight or so hours working on our businesses rather than actually in our businesses so we exchange best practice we focus on different areas of the business each month and really do a deep dive to improve that particular aspect of our sophisticated property investing business and yesterday we focused on finance investment most property investors would probably only be aware of one or two different ways of financing a property they would probably be aware of buy to let mortgages and depending on their level of sophistication perhaps bridging finance or development finance so those are the two probably most inflexible ways of financing property but also two of the most expensive when you add up the cost per month as well as the setup fees and exit fees not always the case with high street lending but certainly the case with bridging and the problem is When we're doing multiple deals in a short period of time, which all sophisticated property investors will be doing a high number of transactions compared to their traditional counterparts, the flexibility and the speed with which you can get lending, as well as the cost of that lending, is absolutely imperative and so yesterday what we spent best part of half of the day on was looking at how a sophisticated property investor can raise private finance and that's what I'm going to focus on in this episode so some of the questions that we had were really really high class questions actually and I'm going to I'm going to run through some of those questions as well as some of the answers now i can't replicate a deep dive of three to four hours that we did yesterday but my objective in this episode is to help you the property investor to a realize that you are capable of raising significant amounts of money from private individuals but also to realize that the terms of that finance are going to be better than anything you can get on the high street and anything you can get from bridging. So let's kick off with what private finance looks like. Typically, and I'll use the panel. So we had a ask the panel session and there were four of us on that panel. One of the panelists had been raising finance for about three years. They'd raised about half a million pounds. One of the panellists had been raising money for five years. 
they had raised £460,000 but had used those funds repeatedly. So although they'd not raised tons, they'd used it over and over on multiple deals. And then another panellist had been going for about six years and had raised £1.3 million. And I was actually the fourth panellist and I'd um, been raising funds since 2008. So how long is that? 14 years. And I'd raised just over £3 million. So quite a range of time frames and quite a range of amounts as well. The most common loan, and this might surprise you listening, was... 5% interest, paid quarterly, most of the loans were paid quarterly or every six months, just because it reduces admin, and were unsecured, and it's that unsecured nature of the loans from private individuals that makes a massive difference, and what we discussed yesterday was the fact that if the loan is unsecured, it gives you far greater flexibility, so... If a loan is secured on a specific property, the investor that's lending the funds to you are quite likely going to want to know a bit about the property. They're going to know what you're wanting to do in terms of refurbishment. They're going to want to know how you're going to monetize the property. They might want to come and see it. They might want a valuation. They might want a survey. And before you know it, you're jumping through all the hoops that you would for a normal high street loan. And so by making it unsecured, not only are you not having to jump through all those hoops, but also you can use the money as you direct rather than have it linked to a a specific property. So you can then use some of it for a refurb. You can use some of it to buy a property. You can use some of it for planning applications and purchase costs and stamp duty etc so it gives you massive flexibility so that's what you're trying to achieve I'd say about half of my three million pounds has been borrowed on that basis um, about five percent five or six percent on an unsecured basis and these are just private individuals that are lending money to me on a private basis Um, This is separate to the Stepping Stones Housing Fund, which is an FCA accredited fund that we do market for um, borrowing. If you jump on the forums and you start talking about raising finance from private individuals, you'll have (laughs) a, uh, a chorus of people shooting you down in flames saying, you know, you can't do this. It's an FCA regulated activity blah 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 um it always makes me laugh i actually don't go on those forums very often at all i might i might take a little look every six months or so and the reason for that is i find them full of people who aren't actually doing deals telling everyone else why they can't do deals in order to make themselves feel better and that's not an environment i want to surround myself with I want to surround myself with people who are encouraging me to be successful, are successful themselves, where we can share best practice for taking positive action, for taking focused action and getting the results that we desire. So the 
private finance that we raise is with people we already know, friends and family, people we meet, that we are talking about what we do with, and we do bespoke loan agreements on a one-to-one basis. So you'll never see an advert, you'll never see a Facebook post, you'll never see an email blast saying, do you want to lend us money? Because that is marketing for uh, finance investors, which is a regulated activity. But if private individuals offer to lend you money, that's a uh, a loan between them and you, um, you can gauge their level of sophistication. There are tests for that that the FCA have, etc. So it's important to be aware of the rules and it's important to stay on the right side of them. But don't be told that uh, you're not allowed to borrow money from uh, from an individual if they want to lend it to you. So we've looked at what the loans generally consist of. We've looked at the terms of that lending. What we talked about then yesterday was why is this lending so valuable? Well, typically you can go and you can go from speaking to an investor about a loan to actually having those funds in your bank account in a matter of hours rather than a matter of weeks with traditional finance. So literally from an investor saying, and the funny thing was <laughs> yesterday as we were doing these activities, so we did a, a, a long activity on identifying people that we already know who might be finance investors. And we talked about the fact that they generally won't advertise the fact that they have money. They won't be going to property networking events looking for deals. They will just be regular people who are feeling the pain of the cost of living rising. Now, sophisticated investors do deals and make money in every single stage of the property market in every single economic cycle or every single stage of the economic cycle. It's been a harder buying environment in the last two years because the property market has been really buoyant, prices have been going up, great for the properties that you already have in your portfolio, they have shot up in value. But in terms of the properties that you've been trying to buy, those have been harder to find because there have been less motivated vendors. And the reason there have been less motivated vendors is because anyone who was struggling with cash flow could do one of two things. If a vendor was struggling to meet their mortgage payments, for example, they could either refinance their property because it had gone up in value or they could sell their property because it had gone up in value. And so more vendors could solve their own problems without our help. However, now that we're going into a different stage of the property cycle, and I've talked about why the government are uh, pushing inflation at the moment in order to reduce government debt, whilst, of course, reducing all of our interest-only buy-to-let mortgages, for which we're, we're very grateful. It's like a, 
uh, another handout all over again. <laughs> um, do not underestimate the value of inflation right now to us property investors who have um, any kind of lending whatsoever. They, the government are basically paying it down for us, which is, which is very kind of them. So with the cost of living going up very, very quickly, it's anticipated to hit 9% this year, 9% inflation, which everyone's saying is, is terrible. But every time you hear, you know, a news report saying how, something about how hard the cost of living rises on, on people, on fixed incomes, etc., there's two things you should be thinking to yourself. One is that that means lots of property owners are going to be struggling to meet their financial obligations and will therefore need to sell to sophisticated property investors. And so we are now entering a golden opportunity to build your portfolio to help motivated vendors with sophisticated solutions. And if if you don't have a marketing plan right now, to capitalize on this next stage of the market. And who knows how long it's going to last. You could have six months of prime buying time. You could have 24 months. You could have 12 months. Who knows? It's, it's impossible to, to predict how long this opportunity to buy will be. And then we could see another, another bubble again. And another rise in rents and rise in capital values. And so don't miss out on this opportunity. You have to, if, if you're serious about improving your passive income, if you're serious about building your net worth, you have to start marketing for motivated vendors now. And we've covered on the podcast all of the different methods you can use for letting motivated vendors know that you exist, that you can help them with their property problem. But you will only be able to help them. They will only be able to contact you if they know you exist. And so this stage of the property cycle where interest rates are going up, where affordability is dropping, is a prime time for buying property, but also for borrowing money. So there's a lot of people on fixed rate incomes at the moment where they have savings in the bank where they are struggling to meet their cost of living. If you think of pensioners who still need to heat their homes to the same temperature, who still need to put diesel or petrol in their cars, who still need to buy food, those people at the moment are really struggling because their money in the bank account is only paying them a low interest rate. Their benefits are still paying the same amount each week and each month and so the opportunity for us is to help those people by borrowing their money and paying them a higher interest rate i pay anything between five and twelve percent a year for the money i borrow more often than not it's between five and about eight percent and as i say the norm is about five to six percent there are no banks at the moment offering 5, 6, 7% interest. And so we can offer that instantly, literally within 
24, 48 hours of someone deciding to invest with us. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I make money if the banks aren't willing to pay five, six, seven, eight percent? How can I make money on that? Well, you just have to think to yourself, and you can sit down with a spreadsheet. If you buy a property that's worth two hundred thousand pounds for a hundred and fifty thousand pounds, twenty-five percent discount—that's the norm. In fact, we critiqued a deal yesterday, which was from a new property investor, a new partner on uh, EPP. They're in the process of negotiating a purchase of 11 properties at a discount of 21% below market value. So it's not our normal 25%. And we were looking at all the different ways of making that deal no money down looking at how they can control those properties long-term, how they can buy some of them now, how they can actually help the vendors with maximizing their capital gains tax allowances, etc. And so it doesn't have to be 25% below market value, but let's just use that as an example. 250, sorry, £200,000 property purchased for £150,000 and let's say you borrow the £150,000 from a private investor well straight away you're not having to put a deposit in if you go to a high street lender you're going to need to if you buy it at two hundred, if you buy it at £150,000 then you're going to need to put a 25% deposit in ordinarily so you've got to go find that money straight away that's 35,000 pounds deposit roughly plus stamp duty plus purchase costs so that very easily could be costing you 50,000 pounds in terms of the amount of money that you'd need to put into the property to buy it and included in that 50k is perhaps a bit of decoration etc because sometimes mortgage lenders insist on you doing works that you don't need to do i've had properties that are already tenanted where i'm buying the property with the tenant in situ so i'm just inheriting the tenant and the lender (laughs) this is so funny the buy to let lender has said well you need to do these essential works because the value has put them on the valuation this always makes me laugh that the valuer seems to think they know better than the tenant what the tenant is willing to uh, rent and and i've also had this is funny and these are all problems and i laugh about them but they're very frustrating at the time the valuers will often say well the property needs this work doing to it to get it to a lettable standard or they'll say the market rent is 600 pounds a month but you've got a tenant in paying 650 at the moment. And so the lender does all their calculations on 600 rather than 650. And of course, the the definition of a market rent is what someone's willing to rent the property for. But of course, the, the lender doesn't think that. The lender goes off, the high street lender, uh, the institutional lender goes off what the valuer says because that's gospel. And if the valuer says, you know, single glazed windows needs to be double glazed, then the lender will often insist 
on you putting double glazed windows in the whole property. And I once had that. I once had that where the lender said the whole property needs to be double glazed. And I said, why? The tenants are perfectly happy with their nice old fashioned sash windows. Um, they've been in for several years. There's no problem. Uh, they withheld, I want to say they withheld £10,000. It was a, it was close to ten k of the loan until I put the double glazing windows in. And I got a quote for the uh, double glazing and it was going to be something like the 10 grand. It was going to be everything they were going to lend me. And so I thought to myself, well, that's pointless. I'm not going to borrow a load more money to do works I don't need to do just so that I owe you money and pay you more interest. And so um, I didn't do it. They, they, They kept writing to me for about three years. Every four, five, six months they'd write and say, when are you going to do these works? And we'd write back saying they're not needed. And they'd say, yes, they are. The, the value has said they are. And we'd say, this is the joke with institutional lending. No, they're not needed because the tenant's happy and is paying the rent every month and isn't saying they need new windows. And eventually they stopped writing to us. It was hilarious. They got to the point where they said, we can force you to repay the loan. And I thought, yeah, if they do, we'll just refinance. But they didn't, uh, I think common sense prevailed it probably went on to went up to someone's desk at a high enough floor that they realized how silly this was so those are some of the issues you get with institutional lending but in terms of private finance if you're buying that hundred and fifty thousand pounds property you can borrow a hundred eighty thousand pounds if you so wish and that will pay for your purchase costs, that will pay for your stamp duty, that will pay for the works that you want to do on the property. And now you have a no money down deal. And the number of times, just to bash the forums a little bit more, the number of times I hear people and see people say, no money down investing is impossible. No money down investing um, requires some level of deceit, etc absolute rubbish all you need is a vendor who's willing to sell to you and let's be clear to do a no money down deal you don't even need it below market value you could be buying this at 200 and it'd be worth 150 to to the other way around so long as you're borrowing the 200 it's still no money down i wouldn't (laughs) recommend you do it but it would be a no money down deal but in this instance and this is how some of the guys did their um uh, their deals uh, that was sat on the panel yesterday and you might think 500k that's not very much that's only enough to do two three four deals depending on where in the country you are but actually some of them had done 20 deals with that money and the reason for that is they were using the funds to purchase so let's use this example 150k property that's worth 200 they've got a 25 percent discount They buy the property using the finance investment, cover all of their costs. And then once they've done the works, once they've put the tenants in, and by the way, there might be no works. I'm not saying you have to do massive refurbs. There might be no works. They just buy the property, put the tenant in, and then a few months later, apply for a conventional mortgage. They get that mortgage at the valuation now of £200,000. They get a £150,000 loan and take their money out. And if the property's gone up in value a little bit because of the works or because 
inflation's helped it up, then they could even get more than £150,000 out and get all of their purchase costs, etc. So they can then walk away six, 12, it depends actually on the lending, you know, it depends on how long they've waited, but they can walk away with all of that finance from the finance investor back in their pocket and they can go again. And that's another reason for having unsecured lending. If it's unsecured, you don't have to keep repaying the investor and getting their charge repaid and then paying a solicitor to put another charge on another property. Instead of messing around with all those legals, you just get a high street mortgage, you get the funds repaid to you, and then you go for the next purchase, which in effect is a cash purchase because you have the money in your pocket. Yes, it's borrowed funds, but from a estate agent point of view, from a vendor point of view, the money's in your bank account. It's controlled by you. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. You don't have to get a valuation. You don't have to get searches. You can buy properties without searches if you're using private investor funds. Because what that investor is concerned about or trusting in is the fact that you can make money with their money. And so long as they trust you to be a successful property investor, to be a successful business person, to make enough money to pay them their interest and protect their capital. So to repay the loan when they ask you to repay the loan, you're going to be absolutely fine. They're going to be fine. They're they're going to be relaxed about the detail. And a lot of investors, finance investors, are lending you the money because they don't want to be embroiled in the complexity of property investing. It's really interesting. A investor who just wants a simple life will often just give me the money unsecured and let me crack on with it. Someone, an investor who wants to really understand the ins and outs, and um, I call them wannabe property investors actually, so they they actually haven't got the the guts or motivation or self-confidence to invest themselves, but they want to show you that they could if they chose to. So they'll want to critique each deal, they'll want to you know, make suggestions, etc. They can often be as troublesome and as um, obtuse as institutional lenders. And so you do need to watch out for that and be really strong and say to them, look, I'm just borrowing this money. I'm going to invest it how I see fit. I'm not going to run the deals by you. Um, either you're comfortable with that or you're not. And the vast majority of them will say, yeah, I'm, I am actually frank. I was just, you know, uh, being a bit cheeky, being a bit nosy. And uh, and then they'll lend the funds. And if, occasionally they'll say, do you know what? No, I do want to be actively involved. And I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to have to wait until I find a really simple deal then that I can explain to you. Um, because otherwise your funds might be in three deals and you'll, you know, then worry about, what how much because i combine and blend finance investors money all the time um you know if i'm doing a big deal i might take more than one finance investors funds combine them and then purchase the property um good luck doing that with institutional lenders with you know tier one tier two tier three lending um on a relatively small deal you know if you're buying a 350 grand property Good luck getting three lenders that are willing uh, off the high street that are willing to lend on it. Um, it's 
nigh on impossible. But three unsecured finance investors, that's easy to to uh, find and easy to put together and easy to do. It's as simple as taking three loan agreements, having the money paid into your account and paying it to your solicitor. So that's the ease with which you can take finance investment and the ease with which you can then repeat deals using those same funds. And what we talked about yesterday was the fact that no one in the room had ever had too much money in their bank account. No one had ever taken lending and was stuck there, not able to use it profitably. And a lot of people were saying it's the best feeling to have borrowed 100k, 200k and to be sat there with it in your bank account knowing you can go shopping, knowing you can do some really good deals as soon as they come up. And of course, we all know that you can turn the tap on for amazing sophisticated deals as soon as you are ready to do them. So sometimes when we're busy, we need to turn that tap off or down and not have loads of leads coming in from motivated vendors. Sometimes when we're really busy doing deals, our funds run low and we need to turn that tap down for motivated vendors coming in. But when we've got cash in the bank, either from selling some deals and and it's profits that's our cash or from bringing in some funding from private finance investors, that's the time when you can turn on that tap and really have those high quality deals flowing in have those telephone fact finds with motivated vendors, be going out and doing those help visits with motivated vendors and uh, negotiating those deals, like the the deal we talked about uh, earlier with the 11 properties, 19% below market value, that'd be a, a great deal. In fact, we talked about that yesterday from memory. It was a £1.6 million portfolio where the vendor had agreed around 1.3 million as a purchase price. There's 300 grand there. If you were sat there with some cash in your bank um, from a finance investor, then you might want to do a exchange or delay completion and put some of that cash down to help the vendor to move on with whatever they wanted to do. And then you could control those properties for 10, 15 years and then um, sell them on, purchase them at that point, um, etc. So it gives you options. If you've got 11 properties and you need to do some works to them, let's say you need a, a very modest £5,000 worth of works to each property, well, that's £55,000. And then if you've got to do your legals on 11 property, that could easily cost you another. £15,000, maybe £20,000. And then if you are needing to give the vendor a bit of money, let's say they want 50 k to move on, well, all of a sudden you're up at £140,000 there 
just to do a no money down deal or to do a to do a control now pay later deal so money is very very important and you might choose not to do that deal and that was one of the options we came up with yesterday you know we need to get to know the vendor better this actually was prior to a full help visit taking place so the partner being relatively new was saying look I've got this opportunity vendors really motivated looking to maximize the effectiveness of my next meeting with them what should I be aware of what questions should I be asking etc and it tied in perfectly with the whole focus of the day which was finance investment and so we looked at how much finance investment they would need and what the value of using that finance investment was compared to the opportunity cost of using it because although you might have funds from an investor and so the deal's no money down it doesn't necessarily mean you should do a no money down deal if the deal itself isn't fantastic sometimes you're better off not doing a no money down deal if it enables you to do more no money down deals afterwards and so we went through that yesterday with the partner and it was a really quality conversation actually that helped them to put into perspective the value of that finance investment if they were to go out and get some so one of the questions that was asked yesterday was how high do we think interest rates might go i actually think that the government have a pretty good handle in on inf- inflation at the moment and that they're pushing it out they're blaming it on the war in ukraine they're blaming it on this and that etc and all western governments are doing this they're all adding petrol to the the flames of inflation because it's it's what they're wanting to do at the moment to reduce government debt i actually think it's in control and they're managing it quite carefully the comparison though is i think it was 1975 when inflation went above 20 percent and that would be a real challenge for a lot of people repossessions were at an all-time high at that stage the cost of living was really really hard and interest rates i think hit 16 percent, something like that for for a few a very few short months and so i don't i was asked the question yesterday do i where do i think we're going i don't know no one's got a crystal ball but i can't see interest rates getting that high this time they'll certainly go up absolutely they will but i don't think they'll get into the double digits personally and if you're sat there thinking well i'm not going to invest now in case they do in my opinion that's crazy you're, you're going to miss the boat you're going to be sat on the sidelines for another five years because there's never certainty if you're worried about interest rates at the moment <laughs> take private finance (laughs) don't use conventional lending Um, get that on a fixed rate for the term of the lending Um, take it for a long term I have people invest with me for five years on a fixed rate basis well there's the stability you're after and let's not forget if interest rates go through the roof and you've got a five-year loan now you can get a high street buy to let mortgage 
fixed for five years. So it's not just finance investment that gives you that stability. It's better if it's unsecured because you're not going to, you know, have properties repossessed. But the long and short of it is if it's a fixed rate loan, you're protected against inflation. You're insulated against interest rate rises. And what that means is it gives you five years to decide what to do with the property. If interest rates go up and come back down, you can refinance onto any conventional high street product. If interest rates are still high in three and a half, four years time, then you can capitalize on the corresponding rise in house prices and sell your properties and make all the profit. You know, if you if you buy a let's stick with the property we talked about earlier, if you buy a two hundred grand property for one hundred and fifty, and then we see ten percent property price growth over the next per annum over the next five years and we have seen 10% growth over the last couple of years it might not continue but what we're talking about is if interest rates go up really high well if interest rates go up really high that's because inflation is really high which means property prices are going up and so you're either going to see massive property price growth alongside massive inflation and massive interest rate hikes alongside rental price growth as well so rents going up or you're not going to see that well if you're not going to see that then you're fine in five years time you can just refinance if you do see that interest rates are too high for you to refinance etc then you can just sell and so that two hundred thousand pound property has gone up by 10 percent a year then it's going to be worth 220 in the first year. I'll keep it simple. I won't add on the, the extra little bit. So um, you add another 20 grand, another 20 grand, another 20 grand. You've got five years of 20 grand price growth per year. That property is now worth 300,000 pounds, but you still have a loan of 150K. Well, that's going to be really easy to sell. Even if it's not a buoyant property market, you can whack it into an auction and sell it for... 250 and make a killing on it put 100 grand in your pocket and that is what's possible now no one knows that there's going to be 10% property price increases per annum and that would be pretty unusual to see that five years on the trot but it's possible it's pretty unlikely that we're going to be double digit interest rates in five years but it's possible and this is why Buying regularly, and I've talked about this before, pound cost averaging your property purchasing. So just regularly buying a property. You don't have to smash it out of the ballpark. It doesn't have to be super aggressive. You can just buy one property a quarter and take away at that. And the cumulative effect of that drip, drip, drip property purchased property purchased, property purchased, sell a property, buy a property, buy a property, buy a property, sell a property. If you just meander along, plod along, and I've said it before and I say it again, I'm really risk averse in my property dealings. I do sophisticated deals in order to make them safe. I'm really safe and cautious as an investor. What that does for you is it just gradually builds your net worth 
it gradually builds your passive income. And then as rents go up and as property prices go up and as the value of your interest-only mortgages drops, you become wealthier and wealthier. Your net worth goes up. Your passive income goes up massively. We were talking about this yesterday, actually. The value of a no-money-down deal. And even if it's a relatively low-value property today, what will that property be worth in 10 years' time? What will it be worth in 20 years' time? And people are not very good at thinking forwards, thinking ahead. Like my grandparents passed away last year. My grandfather was 92. How many property cycles do you have before you're 92? If you're sat there 60 years old, 65 years old, thinking, oh, I've left it a bit late. Really? You could have another 30 years of property ownership. Isn't it worth getting four or eight or 12 properties under your belt over the next few years in order to see them double and then double and then double again in value? And of course, inflation will also go up. But property investing is inflation proof. Historically, property values have outpaced inflation massively and so as we plan for our futures wouldn't it be lovely to be able to sell a property a year and put an extra couple hundred grand in our pockets every time we sell a property as well as having a few thousand pounds a month coming in on top of our pensions my grandmother was 86 when she passed last year she hadn't worked since she was in her 50s. So she had 30 years of relying on her pension. Wouldn't it have been amazing? She didn't have any buy-to-let property, but wouldn't it have been amazing if she just had four or eight or 28 properties bringing in a ton of highly leveraged income every single month? My mother-in-law is in her mid-80s. Wouldn't it be great if she had that net worth behind her, stabilising her financially? And that's it, isn't it? It's, it's about are we willing to do what most are not in order to have the futures that most won't have? And I've butchered a quote, that's someone's quote, but I can't remember whose it is. <laughs> and they said it much better than me. <laughs> But in a nutshell, most people aren't willing to do what needs to be done now in order to have the futures that they want. But if you are willing to be mildly uncomfortable now, to do a bit more work than you need to, in order, as I said earlier, to do some marketing for motivated vendors, perhaps in order to upskill yourself, improve your, your knowledge, now so that you can do some deals not setting the world on light just doing two deals a year four six deals a year starting to build your net worth starting to build your portfolio up perhaps have some high monetization properties in there in order to have that retirement how how many years earlier could you retire if you had 20 or 30 properties under your belt Possibly you could retire next year. 
And we've certainly seen that with many partners. We've got partners who were in full-time jobs when they joined us and are now geographically free, financially free. Doesn't mean they've stopped, by the way, still buying properties, but they've replaced their entire earned income and some from property. And so now they can spend more time with their friends, family, kids. They can do the hobbies they want to do. They can go on the holidays they want to go on. The number of holidays our partners booked when lockdown eased, you could travel again, was amazing. (laughs) It was great to see. I get so much pleasure from our partners' successes. It is amazing, actually, to see people's lives transform because of the input that that we have in their property investing and their businesses. And they don't have to say thank you. Many, many do. And we get some amazing um, testimonials and case studies from our partners. But for me, it's enough to know that their lives are transformed. And we do business funnel reviews and analysis of partners' situations at various points of their journey. So we'll do it when they come into the partnership and then we offer it on an annual basis and sometimes if uh, you know I'm feeling a bit uh, delicate or I'm feeling like I need some motivation I'll go back and look at some of those and it's it's absolutely amazing to see the transformations in some of our clients lives because we only make money to be happier and however you boil it down whether you want to make money to buy stuff, whether you want to make money in order to pay for experiences, whether you want to make money so that you can have more free time, go more places, etc. It all boils down to, well, why do you want all those things? Why do you want the stuff? Why do you want the experiences? Why do you want to travel? Why do you want to have control of your own time? It's all to be happier. And so when you look at our partners ticking off all those things all those things in their bucket lists that are now possible because they did take action because they did decide that waiting was not the right option because they decided to take action and to take control of their futures it's uh, it's a very very motivating process really really motivating and so to finish it off, I'd like to encourage you, I'd like to encourage you to take action, to start talking to those around you about finance investing, about how you as a property investor can help them to make their money work harder. They don't need to buy property, they don't need to manage property, they can just lend the money to you and you can do all the hard work. And if you do that, guys, then you will have a slush fund of cash with which you can go invest in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, Do let us know if you like the monologues. We're doing more of them because the feedback we're getting is quite positive. If you want us to cover a specific topic, then let us know. But until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.